Welcome to this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Every Wednesday we discuss a movie we've enjoyed, share some fun trivia facts along the way. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash screenfacts, and you can also post your questions or comments there. You can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Also, there's a, a few different ways that you can listen to the podcast other than the one that you have chosen, including now the iHeartRadio website and app. To hear all past episodes, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast for information. Well, joining me on the podcast this week is my lovely wife, Sue. Oh, thank you, doctor. (laughs) And as you can guess by that, (laughs) we are going to talk about one of the all-time great Mel Brooks films, Young Frankenstein. Oh, that's Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Released December 15th, 1974, shortly after uh, one of your birthdays there. How do you like that? And you know I didn't see this in the movies. No, definitely not. (laughs) We were both uh, too young at that time. Way too young. I was in my Escape from Witch Mountain and Bambi days. Yeah. So Young Frankenstein, of course, stars the late, great Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle, Marty Feldman, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, and Terry Garr, directed by Mel Brooks, screenplay story and screenplay written by Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks, based on the characters created by Mary Shelley, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound at the Oscars, Cloris Leachman was nominated for Best Actress, and Madeline Kahn, Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes, a budget of just $2.8 million, domestic gross of $86.3 million, second only to Blazing Saddles, among the highest grossing Mel Brooks films. Yep. So now that we got all that out of the way, well, we would be remiss if we didn't apologize for not honoring Gene Wilder sooner than this. We were kind of in the midst of a theme month when he passed away. Yeah. So that's why it's taken so long to talk about one of his movies. And mm-hmm. we're going to make up for it by discussing a couple of his movies this month. How do you like that? Yeah. I have some nice information about Gene Wilder if I can share it. Please do. All right. Well, He was twice Oscar nominated. One was for his role in The Producers, and the second one was for co-writing this. He was born Jerome Silberman in Milwaukee. He began studying acting at the age of 12. Okay. He got his B.A. from the University of Iowa in 1955, and then he went to the Old Vic Theater School in Bristol. So that's in England, where he learned acting technique and fencing. Very interesting. Isn't that cool? When he came back to the U.S., he taught fencing, did other odd jobs while studying in the HB studio and at the actor studio under Lee Strasberg. Oh, okay. This is big time. Then he started doing some Broadway shows. He was in the 1963 production of Mother Courage, which is a Brecht drama. The star of the production was Anne Bancroft. Oh, that's funny. So Mel Brooks came to see the show became friends with him, and they became great friends, great collaborators. Yeah, they did this, Blazing Saddles. What else was he in? The Producers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all I can think of off the top Mm -hmm. of my head. Mm -hmm. He worked on TV shows and some TV movies Okay. before a small part in Bonnie and Clyde in 1967, a small but scene-stealing appearance. His big break came a year later when Mel Brooks cast him in The Producers. Right, which he was very good in. Awesome. Totally awesome. He was a neurotic oh, accountant. Oh, amazing. And um, he played off the of Zero Mustel. Yeah. Really great. 
It was on the set of Blazing Saddles that he approached Mel Brooks and said, hey, I want you to do my idea for your next movie. Okay. And his idea was this, okay. you know, Frankenstein. All right. He passed away this year, August mm-hmm. 29th. Mm-hmm. He died from complications from Alzheimer's. Isn't the whole thing a complication? It's horrible. It's yeah. just a horrible disease. And yeah. he actually preferred to keep his illness hidden from the public. Later, his nephew Jordan Walker Perlman explained, and quotes, he simply couldn't bear the idea of one less smile in the world. Oh, oh man, that's amazing. You hear every day about, you know, different celebrities dying or past movie stars or this and that. Mm-hmm. And you know me. I'm just like, uh, uh-huh, okay. And when I heard he died, I was sad. Oh, me too. I actually was sad. Yeah. I remember feeling the same way about Robin Williams when he passed yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. You know, I normally don't get all that worked up about celebrities dying. You yeah. Kinda, you kind of go, oh, that's, that's oh, sad. Yeah, okay. I, I've enjoyed yeah. their work. Mm-hmm. But those two guys in particular for whatever reason, really got me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gene Wilder, in addition to the stuff he did with Mel Brooks, he had a, a few really funny movies that he did with Richard Pryor. That's true. He was great. Yeah. This is another one of those movies when we first met. And I mentioned this in the podcast we did for The Jerk with mm-hmm. Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. How when we first met and we were getting to know each other and looking at each other's Facebook pages mm-hmm. and all that, you had quoted The Jerk. Mm-hmm. And this was another movie <laughs> that you had some quotes from, too. I've been quoting this movie since I was a kid. As yeah. soon as I, I must have seen it on Channel 11 one day. You yeah. Know? I've always been a fan of Mel Brooks and all of his movies. And I know, you know, I had seen this movie. But for whatever reason, this is a movie that I hadn't seen in a while and I didn't really remember a lot of mm-hmm. it particularly the quotes that you always come up with. (laughs) Right. There's so many great things in this movie. Mm -hmm. And the movie starts off with a joke that it's real easy to miss. And I never even noticed it until we watched it the last time. Right. The movie opens up and and there's like a camera sort of panning in uh, the castle, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a clock chiming, Mm -hmm. uh, like a grandfather clock. Yeah. And it's midnight. Mm -hmm. And the clock actually chimes 13 times. Yep. But I've never noticed it before. I was so busy watching it. The shot come to the coffin Mm -hmm. and then around to the opening and the skeleton's holding the the (laughs) box and the hands reach in to take it away and the skeleton pulls the box back. Right. It wasn't until the other night when I sat there and counted the chimes that I went... 13. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those things that's uh, really easy to miss because the scene goes on forever. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And it's almost like the beginning of Spaceballs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's funny how the film is in black and white. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's really designed to pay homage to the original Frankenstein yes. movie from 1931. Yep, yep. And 20th Century Fox, who released the movie, wanted Mel Brooks to shoot on color stock. Mm-hmm. So they had options, Mm -hmm. but he was like, "Uh uh-uh, because you're going to screw me if I do that. (laughs) I'm shooting on black and white, so you can't release it as a color movie. Good for him. And you know what? Yeah, it's so good, just how it is. Yeah, I mean, watching the movie, it looks like a 30s movie. Yeah, it does. I mean, it it doesn't look like it was shot in the early 70s. No, absolutely not. Everything. They nailed all the details of the period. Yeah, and that was one of the things, too. Gene Wilder said he would do the movie, but he insisted that Mel Brooks not be on camera in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Because he thought that would kind of, you know, break the reality of it being like a Frankenstein movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If all of a sudden Mel Brooks is there, oh, okay, it's a comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, obviously it's a comedy. Right. The script is done for laughs, but visually it looks like a Frankenstein movie. Yes, yep. Well, part of that could be due to the equipment they were using. Yeah, which is actually very cool. It is. When Mel Brooks was preparing to shoot the movie, he found out, Ken Strickfaden, who had made the machines for the lab scenes in the original Universal Frankenstein films, was still alive. He was in Los Angeles, or the Los Angeles area. Turned out, Strickfaden had all the equipment stored in his garage, (laughs) 
Brooks made a deal to rent the equipment, and then he gave Strick Faden screen credit, something that he didn't receive in the original films. So, that is so cool. Very cool. Can so you... he had the actual Frankenstein uh, equipment in the yep. movie. Yep. Can you imagine, you know, people keep interesting things in their garages. <laughs> yeah, really. But can you imagine showing up that day and, you know, keep opening up the door and like seeing this entire lab there. Yeah. Very, know. very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this week, we watched the movie earlier in the week, and we were talking about when we were going to record the podcast. And you said... This is going to be the first Wednesday in October. Yes. Yes, it is. And I said, that's awesome because I have two really timely bits of information that are just going to blow your mind. The suspense has been killing me. <laughs> Please put me out of my misery. You've been so patient, honey. Thank you. Well, have you heard of a, a group called Fathom Events? I have. And you know what they do. They'll, they'll do small release stuff nationwide mm-hmm. on movie screens. And uh-huh. sometimes it's, you know, cultural things like an opera or a ballet. Or Kiss Rocks Vegas. That too. <laughs> well, on October 5th, which mm-hmm. is the day this podcast comes out, there's going to be Young Frankenstein. Ah, back in theaters. That's right. Very cool. One night only with a live introduction from writer-director Mel Brooks. Oh, very nice. Yeah, the intro is going to be broadcast from the 20th Century Fox lot in 500 theaters nationwide. And in addition to touring the studio lot where much of the movie was filmed, Brooks is expected to reminisce about Wilder. Very, very cool. And so this is one night only, right? One night only. One night only. So if you're hearing this podcast after the original publishing date of it. (laughs) Listen on the Wednesday, for gosh sakes. Sorry. Sorry. You missed it. That's all right. It's still cool information. It's really cool. I could, you know, because I never saw it on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. That would be really cool to see it. Might have to make that happen. Ooh, cool. Possibly. Cool. The other tidbit of information I have Uh relates to something that's happening on October 18th, Uh which is the publishing of a book by Mel Brooks about... Making Young Frankenstein. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's an inside look into the making of the classic film, featuring behind-the-scenes photos and original interviews with the cast and production team. Very cool. Just a little information from the prologue. Mel Brooks said, you know, he was a kid living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. When the movie came out, his older brother took him to see it, but he was still a little kid, and he got really scared. The original Frankenstein. Yeah, really, really really scared <laughs> to the point where he like couldn't sleep at night and oh. you know he was convinced that the Frankenstein monster was going to come kill him oh in his God. sleep and his mother had this whole spiel about first of all he's inland he has to get to the ocean then he would have to you know come across the ocean he'd have to dock here in America he'd have to do this he'd do that so even if he came to our building and he made it like all the way what makes you think he's going to come up to the second floor to eat you know, he'll eat whoever's on the first floor right and plus with those big boots it would be hard for him to walk upstairs <laughs> yeah you know, so, you know, he said he was haunted by that. He said of all of his films, Mel Brooks was the proudest of this one. He said, my hope was that young Franken... I always call it Frankenstein. <laughs> my hope was that young Frankenstein would transport audiences the way I was transported as a kid sitting in the dark in Williamsburg. I mean, like I said, when we watched it to prepare for the podcast, I was going, everything about it just felt like a 1930s horror movie. Yeah, yep. And all the classic scenes, mm-hmm. you know, the train station, the train. Uh-huh. You know, the, the little young... girl, <laughs> the flower. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so good. Very good stuff. 
So you can't say enough about the cast. No. I mean, oh, everybody in the cast so is out, is so good. I was watching and thinking, how many are still alive? Not many, right? Terry Gar. Uh, Cloris Leachman? Cloris Leachman is still alive. Okay. As far as the main cast. Yeah, but Madeline Kahn is gone. Madeline Kahn's gone. Marty Feldman's gone. Peter Boyle is gone. Gene and Wilder Gene now. In fact, I thought of that when we were watching the scene when Madeline Kahn finally comes to the castle, mm-hmm. when Marty Feldman says, uh, you take the blonde, I'll take the one in the turban. My favorite line in the entire movie. <laughs> Help me with these bags. Certainly. <laughs> you take the blonde, I'll take the one with the turban. Yeah. I was looking at that scene and, and actually Terry Gar was the yeah. only one left. Yeah, yeah. And she's, you know, had MS since I think 1983. She really? was diagnosed. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. I think she still works though, but wow. probably a lot less than she used to. Wow. Always been a fan of Terry Gar. Yeah, me too. She's done a lot of good stuff over the years. Marty Feldman, I never knew how to feel about him when I was little because (laughs) he was so odd looking. Sure. You know, and he actually said after he was cast as Igor, (laughs) that's Igor, he said, I'm the only guy to ever appear in a horror film without makeup. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, one of the, the great jokes from Marty Feldman from Igor, Igor, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him in the movie. Because it's really Igor, right. but he says Igor right. because of Frankenstein. Right. right. So, you know, the big thing was that the hump keeps yes. changing sides. What hump? <laughs> right, exactly. Turns out that was ad-libbed by Marty Feldman. That's right. He was goofing around during rehearsals. He kept moving it over. <laughs> and nobody really noticed for a while. Yeah. It, took, it took a yeah. few days or whatever. And they said, oh, that's really funny. We should put it in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And I love when he shows up at the brain depository after 5 p.m., slip right. brains through slot and door. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you know it's not going to go well right from the beginning because he puts his hand through the slot, mm-hmm. opens the handle, and then lets himself in, and then his, he's frightened by his own hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he's got the H. Delbrook written on the hand uh-huh. and then drops that brain. And that actually, they said that was from the original. Okay. Okay. And then he goes to the next brain. <laughs> and in this case, of course, Mel Brooks, you know, points out that it's an abnormal brain. Abby normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the other gags with him was the walk this way gag, right? Yes. And I still do that. I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> I even have when I'm at work. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't, but... <laughs> Well, you know, you have you're counting on a lot of people knowing what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I kind of feel like since I work with theater and dance people, yeah, I stand a pretty good chance of if someone's going to come with me, I'll say to them, "Walk this way," and I'll start dragging my leg. <laughs> and a lot of times they'll do it, so that's good. It's <laughs> very funny. Mel Brooks, though, originally he kind of thought that was a little bit corny that gag, so he wasn't sure if he wanted to put it in the movie. He wanted to cut it. Wow. He decided to leave it in after it got a really great reaction from an audience oh, yeah. at a screening. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a good thing that he did because mm-hmm. it ended up inspiring something pretty amazing. A pretty cool song, right? Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, that scene in the movie inspired Steven Tyler from Aerosmith to write Walk This Way. The band was recording and they took a break mm-hmm. uh, during recording and checked out the movie, mm-hmm. saw the movie. Yeah. He saw that and the next morning he wrote Walk This oh, Way. Oh, that's great. Which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So really quick, I mentioned before that Gene Wilder didn't want Mel Brooks to be on camera. Right. Because he thought it would take away from the authenticity a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mel didn't care about being on camera, but he did actually contribute some stuff to the movie. Mm -hmm. When they're pulling in on the the coach with the horses and you hear the wolf, the werewolf, werewolf. Werewolf. (laughs) I thought you wanted to talk like that. We were talking like that. I thought you wanted to. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but the wolf noise was Mel. Mm-hmm. And then the scene where Frankenstein is playing darts with the inspector mm-hmm. and you hear a, a cat shrieking. Oh, yeah. The... You know, like as if a cat got Because the dart, dart goes through the window. Right. And it goes outside. That was Mel as well. Yep. And the voice of Frederick's grandfather that he hears yes. when he first goes into the laboratory right, is right. Mel as well. <laughs> How I Did It by Victor Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) What a great book. Frankenstein. (laughs) And then there's also a gargoyle on the castle that sort of looks like Mel too. We were trying to figure out which one it was. Yeah. Yeah. Toward the, it's like right by the end of the movie. Yeah. That's a great way to put tribute to somebody in a film though. Yeah. It's cool. Why not? Yeah. Why not? The set for that, it's incredible. Yeah. The castle, everything. It's just so cool. Again, they were going for authenticity. Yep, yep. The big chandelier in mm-hmm. the main room. Oh, and then Cloris Leachman leading them up the stairs with the three candles. <laughs> Candlesticks in the candelabra. None of them are lit. Yeah. And I, I said, why aren't the candles lit? And you said, because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think... When I was watching it this last time, I kind of realized where I get a lot of my shtick from Yeah. when I do a comedy. You've definitely borrowed from a lot of great things when we've done shows <laughs> together. This, Airplane, mm-hmm. you know, Walk all kinds this way. Of... Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we should definitely talk about some of the other people in the cast. Yes, yes. Madeline Kahn. <laughs> I have to say, as a kid, again, I wasn't watching a lot of this stuff, you know, as it was, you know, fresh out, but seeing it later... I was mad about her. I just thought she was the best. Because she's so, so over the top. She's so over the top, but she's serious about it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really serious about her comedy. And Mel Brooks actually felt that she was the greatest comedian that ever lived. She was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really know a lot of the stuff she did outside of Mel Brooks films, if there was. But anything that she did in a Mel Brooks movie was gold. Absolutely. And she was a musical theater person. There you go. She had the interest. Her mother pushed her to study music and drama at Hofstra. Okay. But she majored in speech therapy. But after she graduated, she realized she really wanted to be an actor. She's so good in this movie. Absolutely. Between that and, you know, Blazing Saddles, I'm so tired. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. she was great. Yep. And then Cloris Leachman. Mm-hmm. It's got like a trilogy of awesome women. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> you know, you got Terry Gar, who's, you know, the gorgeous ingenue with the mm-hmm. roll, roll, roll and say hey. <laughs> you know, and nice knockers. Oh, thank you, doctor. You know, she has all that fun, you know, sex kitten stuff. Then you have Madeline Kahn as the <laughs> uptight fiance. He goes to kiss her. She's like, mm, lipstick. He goes to yeah. hug her. Oh, my hair. He wants to give her a hug. Taffeta, darling. <laughs> you know, she's so high maintenance. And then later on in the movie, too, when she comes to the castle and give me a kiss goodnight and, and he goes in for the kiss. He's like, no tongues. No tongues. That was ad lib, by the way. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and then you got Cloris Leachman mm-hmm. with her hair pulled back in the bun and, you know, the mole oh, and yeah. the expressions <laughs> and the whole Frau Blucher thing. I think the best comedians, male or female, are mm-hmm. the ones that don't care if they look ugly when they're being funny. Well, comedy isn't always pretty. It's not. It usually isn't, actually. <laughs> and if you think about it, you know, not just with Mel Brooks movies, but if you go back to Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. too. The funniest stuff is when women just, just let it all just hang get out. down and dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her you expressions, know. the scene where Cloris Leachman is saying goodnight to Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, would you like a glass of wine before bed? No. <laughs> you know, some more milk? No. This or that? <laughs> Over Gene, you know? And her face just is like, she's got that pained look on her yeah. face. They had to do that scene 14 times because oh she kept cracking Gene Wilder up. Yeah, I read that he blew a lot of takes. Yeah. He blew a lot of takes How during the How could you film. not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the whole, you know, for a blooker, nay! Yeah. You know, there is actually a rumor going around that I don't think they tried to stop in the 70s. Word got out somehow that the word blooker mm. meant glue. Right. But it doesn't. That's what he supposedly told Cloris Leachman, and she talked about that in an interview. Yeah. But, it, but it, it doesn't mean that. Yeah, no. So Gene Wilder called this movie his favorite of all the films he ever made. There you go. Which is not surprising. Yeah. Especially yeah. since he's one of the writers, too. Yeah. But he, Peter Boyle, and Marty Feldman were cast together in the film partially because they had a, a mutual agent who had a deal with the movie studio. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, they're all super they're talented. They're all so good together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Boyle doesn't say a word in the entire movie until the end. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. His face. <laughs> so great. And it's interesting. You mentioned how great Terry Gar is, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Originally, she auditioned for the role of Elizabeth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fiance. Yeah. With Madeline Kahn as the front runner for Inga, right. the assistant. Right. So, so we're going to swap. Right. Madeline Kahn ultimately decided she'd rather play Elizabeth. When Mel Brooks had to recast the Inga role, he called Gar in and said if she could come back the next day with a German accent, he'd like her for the part. She looked at Mel and said, Well, yes, I could do the German accent tomorrow. I could come back this afternoon. And the part was hers. So uh, Gar said that she based her accent on Cher's wig maker, who she worked with on the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. Could you imagine (laughs) the real life version of that? Yikes. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You know, another little funny Terry Gar story is that she had Mel Brooks explain to her what a Schwanstucker is. <laughs> you know, it's from the when they're talking about, you know, reanimating a body. You'd mm-hmm. need a large body, mm-hmm. you know, large, big hands, big feet. And she says, oh, well, he must have an enormous Schwanstucker. Mm-hmm. So when Brooks explained to her what it was, she just came out with woof. <laughs> and they kept it in and then they gave it to Madeline Kahn later. Very nice. <laughs> With the wolf. One of the sort of unsung heroes in this movie that, mm-hmm. that a lot of people probably forget about when they talk about mm-hmm. it because it's such a small part yeah. is the blind man. I know. And if you're not paying attention, you may not realize that it's Gene Hackman. Well, he's got hair. It's hard to, you know. Well, it's just the beard, you know, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when he says at the end of his scene, I'm going to make espresso, that wasn't in the script. Mm-hmm. And that's why, if you know, when you're watching the movie, it fades mm-hmm. to black so fast because oh. the crew just burst out laughing yeah 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 the whole circle of darkness just comes in real fast on that fade out there i giggled the entire time if i wasn't laughing out loud i was at least giggling Mm -hmm. for the entire time we watched this and i've seen this movie many times oh yeah listen classic is classic yeah and it's kind of like again when we go back to the jerk podcast right i think steve martin is kind of cut from the same cloth that mel brooks is in a lot of ways I know that Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner are mm-hmm. still great friends. Okay. They still spend a lot of time together. They still make each other laugh. Mm-hmm. That's why they're still so vibrant because yeah. they, they keep laughing. You they gotta, keep making each other laugh. They're you sharp. gotta laugh. But um, the reason I bring up Carl Reiner is because he directed The Jerk. So I think there's a okay. lot of the same yeah. kind of humor. And mm-hmm. remember when we talked about The Jerk, mm-hmm. how Steve Martin said when they were writing the script, their goal was to have a joke Per page, per page of the script. Yeah, exactly. A laugh a minute. Yeah, laugh a minute. And I think that they probably did something similar with this movie. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It certainly felt like it. Yeah. We were laughing a lot. I would imagine there's be a laugh a couple times a minute yeah, with absolutely. the script. Like the first thing that came into my head was, do you like it? I don't really care for desserts much myself. Well, you made a yummy sound, <laughs> you know, and it's the, the monster going. <laughs> and I love. A when, yummy sound. A yummy sound. I love when the monster does the takes to the camera. Too. Oh, yeah. A couple times it's just like, oh, dead on right to the camera. So great. Marty Feldman does that a yeah, couple times, yep, too. It's very yep. funny. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't believe that certain things almost didn't make it into the movie. Yep. 
And one of the things that almost didn't make it is probably the most iconic thing in this movie, and that's the music number. I with know. With Gene Wilder and Could the monster imagine? doing putting on the Ritz. What would we have for a ringtone if um, we didn't? Yeah. You have that. <laughs> for Joe Rosen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Mel originally didn't want to put it in the movie because he thought it would detract from the faithfulness of the monster stuff. Okay. Because it's obviously very silly. Right. Gene Wilder said he was close to rage and tears when wow. Mel said that and argued for the scene. Uh-huh. After Wilder fought for the scene, Mel thought putting it in was the right thing to do. But it wasn't until he saw an audience's response that he was finally confident about mm-hmm. the scene. Mm-hmm. That's the best scene in the movie for me. I love it because, you know, to me, it's a spoof not just on Frankenstein, but mm-hmm. like, you know, King Kong or right. like those sort of movies where it's like, here, we're bringing this is a very fragile situation. <laughs> First, we're going to have all of these people in a movie theater. Right. Then we're going to have this thing on stage. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to walk forwards. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to walk backwards. <laughs> now he's going to do a musical number. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's just so absurd. And it's just great Heather and Tuck. Yeah, and, you and know, the way Marty they're dancing. On piano yeah. and... <laughs> you know, and then one of the footlights snaps and yeah. that's, you know, sends and the monster that. into a rage. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? <laughs> you know, but there's so many other things that are classic from, you know, the original and that type of movie. I loved seeing all the villagers, you know, with the torches and the pitchforks and, you know, I mean, that's still spoof today, that oh, kind yeah. of thing. I mean, you Absolutely. see that in SpongeBob. It's great. You know? <laughs> it's great. All of it. It's yep. just, it's so well done. And that's what makes it so funny. Right. Is that they throw the humor in amidst all of this real authentic monster movie kind of stuff. Yep. Mel Brooks says that Columbia Pictures was so opposed to him shooting in black and white that the very next day he took it to 20th Century Fox. And it turned out Alan Ladd Jr., who had just taken over the studio, had no problem with the idea. And again, going back to another one of the podcasts that we've done in the past for Star Wars, during that podcast, we talked about how Alan Ladd Jr. was the first person to really champion George Lucas's vision. No wonder he was the head of the studio. Mm-hmm. Visionary, really, yeah. absolutely. They actually borrowed another thing from the original Frankenstein movie, too. In the original 1931 Frankenstein movie, they used greenish face makeup mm. on the monster. Yeah. And what that did was it kind of made the features more prominent Yeah, yeah. on the black and white film. Same thing here. Yeah, you want that little zipper neck. Oh, the zipper neck. That's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I also love Inspector Kemp. You know, watching him in his scenes makes you realize that there's not a single part in the entire movie that's not funny. <laughs> yeah. He's just the local magistrate. But they took it up a notch yeah, with, with, the, hand. with the hand, the fake hand. He was, you know, working with Brooks and they were working on getting him cast as Kemp. Mel Brooks actually said to him, Before we really go ahead with this, I have to ask you something. If you're wearing an eye patch and you've got a monocle on top of the eye patch, is that too much? <laughs> And his reply was, of course not. And then, you know, Mel Brooks said, good, you're hired. You know, between that and the hand, and then when they pick him up and use him as a battering ram. <laughs> so awesome. Mel Brooks is one of the few legends in Hollywood that has a EGOT, which is the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Oh, he's got, he's right. got one of each. He won the Tony mm-hmm. for the producers on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. But because that was so successful... Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, they made the musical out of this. Yes. I've never seen that. Have you? No, I have not. Uh, 29 previews, 485 performances from November 8th, 2007, closed January 4th, 2009. Okay. 
So it, it didn't do as well as the producers. No, no. It does get picked up and done, though, all yeah. across the country. Yeah. You know? It probably would be fun to see. Yeah. Just to see what they did, yeah. you know, in terms of the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. People don't even realize how brilliant Mel Brooks is sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's been around forever. He comes from that vaudeville background. Yeah. The physical comedy, yeah. the puns. Yeah, I love the puns. It's, and it's and, all in the timing. It's yeah. just, it's classic and it's so good. Maybe younger people nowadays might not appreciate it as much because maybe it comes off as corny a little bit, but I love it. It's, I, you know, I think they should be taught to appreciate it because stuff like this is just, it's so, it's so much fun just to sit and watch and laugh your butt yeah. off for, you know, hour and a half or however long it is. Yeah, and you know Mel Brooks is one of the best at physical comedy mm-hmm. because he did Silent Movie. Yeah. You know, where, oh, yeah. where the only person who talks in the movie is a mime, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> you can't say enough about the genius of Mel Brooks. No, and again, at not. 90, he's still sharp as a tack mm-hmm. and brilliant. And mm-hmm. there was a thing that was circulating on Facebook and the internet recently where President Obama awarded him some sort of a medal for his contributions to entertainment. And... When he put it around his neck, Mel did a, like, he was falling over. Like, he was, you know, it was too heavy. Yeah. And I think he actually got Obama. Like, Obama's, oh, my God, are you okay? (laughs) You know? That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, even just, yeah. Yep. We love you, Mel. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, honey, thanks for talking about another fun movie with me. Always a pleasure. Oh, the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Can't shake it, can you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. And remember to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. Also, I'm at Jason Davis Voice on Twitter. You can email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Remember to please help others find the show by good old word of mouth. You can rate and comment on iTunes. You can also show support for the show by ordering ScreenFacts merchandise on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. And another thing, like I said earlier, that you can do there is find out all the different ways you can listen to the podcast. Sure, you're listening to it, so obviously you found it. But if there's something that's more convenient, you'll find out about it on the website. Show theme music by audionautics.com. Special thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.